you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Bite.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Bite. Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. Welcome to Development Hell. horror movie that hits VOD, countless others end up DOA. Development Hell is the podcast dedicated to unearthing these cursed horror productions. We're going to find out what went wrong and then decide if these titles still stand a shot at the green light. I am your host, Josh Korngut. I am the managing editor of Dread Central. I am also a filmmaker in Toronto, Canada. This podcast is a proud member of the Dread Podcast Network. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Development Hell. Today, we're going to open the furnace once again for another unmade A Nightmare on Elm Street movie. This time around, we're heading into Freddy's Origins. The movie that we're tackling today is technically titled either Kruger, The First Kills, or some people call it A Nightmare on Elm Street, First Kills. We have with us a very special guest judge today, first time on the pod. We've got Patrick O'Donnell. Patrick, how's it going? Hello. Uh, it goes well. How are you, Josh? I'm good. Could you do me a favor and introduce yourself to the Development Hell audience? Of course, of course. Hi, everyone. My name is Patrick O'Donnell. I know Joshua. Uh, he's been a longtime friend of mine and a longer time friend of my <laughs> beautiful wife, uh, Elise Marion. Yeah, we go way back. And I'll never forget the first yeah, time we met. Well, way back, about 11 years, not way back. We okay. were talking about movies and I made a comment and you were like whoa he knows what he's talking about and right away i was like why wouldn't i know what i'm talking about <laughs> and it was a bit like chest bump banging ish a little mostly what were we talking about 
I can't remember the specifics, remember? but it was in the realm Me of neither. horror for sure because, like, I knew Elise was really into horror movies, and you know, she told me you were into horror movies, and yeah, so you know, obviously, like, feeling the waters of where we're all stand, and I thought that was such a a comment to <laughs> say right in front of my face, and I was like, yeah, I definitely do, right back at you. But ever since then, um, <laughs> that you, it's been the best. Yeah, I can't believe it's been eleven years. Yeah, no, 12 years now that it's 2023, but yeah. Jeez. It's time time flies. We are getting up there. Oh, and I I don't Mm -hmm. work in film. I do love it. I love Mm -hmm. horror, obviously, a lot. I am a nurse. And I was thinking what to say about this, and it's I, I get to see real-life horror. And I also get to see a lot of the nice things about real life, too, but it comes with its own fair share, so some crazy stuff. You don't have to answer this. Have you seen anything gruesomely lately through your work? Have I seen anything gruesome lately through my work? Someone lately had a pretty big wound that I got to dress daily. <laughs> And that took some time, okay. and that was, you know, <laughs> a lot. I would say two Ooh. years ago, which is not recent, um, one person had a wound on their foot that was just wild. Like, you could swear you were looking at a oh, Hollywood movie. Oh you could see the tendons. I had to put stuff on the tendons and, oh like, apply God. it with a Q-tip. You could see it move when you oh touched it. It was... And oh. that person was actually a huge horror oh. fan. And so I can't say anything really about them more, but they rocked. And <laughs> it, they had a wild wound on their foot. Yeah. Oh. But, you know, life goes on and they seem like a very strong person. So I hope the best for them and their family. Yeah. And you know what? Everyone's alive. And that's that's okay. Yeah. Wow, that's a good story. Thank you. I'm screaming. On that terrifying note, I'm going to mention that in the conversation today... We're going to talk about a couple of things. We're going to talk about Elm Street as a franchise in total. I'm excited about it because it's one of my favorites, but we'll get more into it. We're going to be talking about Freddy's Nightmares, which was the Nightmare on Elm Street TV show and the opening episode, which is titled No More Mr. Nice Guy, which is another Freddy's origin story. Then we're going to be talking about First Kills, the movie that we're all here to discuss. And we're going to end with the future of Freddy. Today's sources for this episode include two articles from Bloody Disgusting that you can check out in the show notes. So first things first, A Nightmare on Elm Street is a 1984 horror franchise created by none other than Wes Craven and New Line Cinema. Nine films total... Gun to your head, what would you say this franchise is about? Nightmares. This is the Freddy mm-hmm. Krueger show. It is it is facing your fears, I guess, after the first one, you know, turn to face your to turn yeah. your back to them. Try not to die when you go to sleep. Who's <sighs> our big bad? The man himself, like the new generation of like Hollywood monsters, Freddy Krueger. I like to Hell think yes. of him almost as as you said, the new generation. I like to think of um, Freddy as our new Dracula and of Jason as our new Frankenstein. Frankenstein, yeah. And I always kind of see, yeah, different parallels between those two. Oh, I was thinking about this earlier today, hugely. You you know, you know the old Warner Brothers, you know all the old monsters, the Wolfman. I mean, that's why Hotel Transylvania mm-hmm. works. And then you have these people, they're like oh, their yeah. own new generation. And you can almost go as far back as bringing Leatherface into it. Because I think you could bring in Michael Myers. Michael. You know, the boogeyman. Yeah. And the Pantheon grows. Like, I love the fact that, like, Slenderman exists. It's a little after me. I didn't watch it evolve. Oh, this is wicked. Definitely. I'm a big fan or very fascinated by this new era of sort of creepypasta horror. 
Pat, what mm-hmm. was your first impression? What was your first experience with these movies? Oh my god. <laughs> it uh, could be its own episode. Uh, so I've been thinking to say this as quickly as possible. I was six years old. This is my, like, that meme Whoa. of the woman smoking the cigarette being like, my parents rented The Exorcist when I was five. When I was six years old, I was <laughs> at my next door neighbor's house. and They had kids our age and they rented it. And the mom, who was also my babysitter, said, OK, well, you can watch it if you phone home. So I phoned home and my parents said yes i was the fourth of five children so they were like okay whatever just do whatever you know could be home by dinner and we got Mm -hmm. i would say maybe 45 minutes through the movie and i just remember they had to stop it and take me outside in the bright sunny daylight and like tell me everything was okay and we started like playing catch and you know because I, I was just way too scared i was just freaking out i guess and freddie haunted mm-hmm. my dreams as a child for years uh and then funny enough scream got me into horror when i was 14 and it wasn't until i was 18 oh when i watched nightmare on elm street again and i was like oh and it's still so good <laughs> yeah it's so was this the first horror movie you ever laid eyes on oh yeah this is this 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 is it and it it messed me up (laughs) yeah freddy scared me the only kid at the party freaking out no it wasn't it wasn't a party it was like the neighbor's kids and the neighbor's kids are older than me the girl Mm. was a year older than me and the two boys were like three and six years older than me and i was just there every Uh day in the summer they were we were like thick as thieves. They had the Nintendo. They had a VCR. They had a swimming pool, and uh, and it was just a sunny afternoon. But I I'm sure whoever was watching me was also pretty scared. They must have been. They must have been like, okay, this is an easy opportunity to also cut ourselves out of this as well. But at one point when we were outside and they were like trying to calm me down, uh, one of the older boys we were playing catch and the ball went in the bushes and I went into the bushes to get it and they were like, huh? Freddy Krueger's in there and I was like, ah! <laughs> and, like ran out of the bushes. <gasps> Oh, man. Um, Listen, all of the movies are great, and everyone definitely loves the first one. Do you have, like, an imprint on any of the other films in the series? Like, which of these are your favorite? Oh, I was... uh... I was thinking about this all day. This is a great, of course, question for this or Friday the 13th. Um, Definitely three. You can't not be touched by three if you don't, if you love this series. Three is great. Um, You know, they bring back Nancy. Oh, yeah. Uh, Doesn't have an easy go for her or her dad, right? Uh, And it Mm -hmm. has so many classic lines. Credited Larry Fishborn, which is also great. Um, hilarious always yeah but two two really imprinted on me mm-hmm. because there was also the will smith uh like dj jazzy jeff song that was like a nightmare on my nightmare street. on my street yeah and yeah. it has the quote i didn't know which movie it was from until i like committed to rewatching all the movies but first of all like two is so like this movie is bizarre um and then you realize it's just okay mm-hmm. but it's got the you've got the body and i've got yeah. the brains line and that song when i like saw uh-huh. too I, like i remember the video and we used to as kids because like you know thick as thieves us and those neighbors love the song as well so i was like oh my god this is the line this is the movie last night i watched four <laughs> i was like okay four not not mm-hmm. bad um and uh, of course obviously new nightmare I think my favorites, besides number one, 
And number three, which I think is a given. Yeah, it's a given. Yeah, that's, I, yeah, I that's... love four. I I think five is a little bit underappreciated. I think five gets lumped in sometimes with six. Ooh. But five is outrageous. It's yes. so fun and so weird. I'm excited, actually, after watching four last night. Uh, so first of all, sorry for not asking what you're ranking on this. Um, but after watching four, I was like, no. okay, I'm excited for five. And like six is the worst. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah, six is six is so weird. Did you rewatch it? Not in a long time. Six. Six has like so Alice bad. Cooper and Roseanne Barr, or is am I lumping both of them? Oh into yeah, the one and Tom movie? Arnold. Yes. Yeah. Six yeah. Is and weird. Tom Arnold is there too. Yeah. It's very weird. Yeah. Six also showcases some Freddie origin stories. So you're seeing a little bit about Freddie before he becomes a dream demon and very very strange yeah and like the camera like the lens like like when we're talking about this now i remember like just particular scenes and shots as like very like a distorted camera like almost like a bug eye or something but yeah you do get to mm-hmm. that little peek into freddy's origins or part of freddy before he's freddy. Who did alice cooper play was was alice cooper his father i can't I recall exactly i would want to guess that and uh you know I guess it would have not certain. If if we say it is, then it is, right? No, just <laughs> no. That's awful. Uh, as I've learned so with this sorry, podcast everything. in the past, no, it's not no. true. People no. people come and they will in uh, they they correct me, and yeah. I think that's lovely. Thank you. Don't be mad. No, that is um, lovely. There's a yeah. radio ad these days. You can cut this out because it's a nonsense story. But there's a radio ad these days. It's like tired of those <laughs> keyboard warriors. We've got a way around it have a radio ad radio ads they can't reply back on a keyboard and i'm like you idiots you'd also have a website and then people would just go to your website and shit on your website like it's just i don't know so dumb. i do think it's true though because it's it's there isn't that immediate like communication that the internet provides yeah. with radio oh, yeah. or even podcast yeah because you internet, your I, keyboard's I kind of right there that. like go for it pat why do you think freddy krueger and elm street affected so many people and scares so many people I think it affects and scares so many people because no matter where you go or run or hide to, you know, you fall asleep eventually and you fall asleep on your own. Yeah. You know, we don't share dreams with other people. So that to to have mm-hmm. like another presence in your dream that isn't you would be just truly terrifying. And um yeah. I think that's why it's so universal. I, I remember taking someone, a group of us went to see Freddy versus Jason, and she had never seen a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. And she literally said, like, I don't want to go home alone I have to, and go to bed. Like, like screw you guys for making me see this. And I I was in awe. I was so happy. I mean, poor her. But that was that because that is really the, the most like guttural, like, oh, shit, I have to go to bed at some point. The last time that really happened, I feel like the last time that happened to me where I was scared to go home was maybe, this is not, this isn't cute, but maybe Paranormal Activity. I remember that really fucked me up. And I'm Loved not totally it. Loved sure Paranormal why. Activity. Yeah. Uh, it was scary. because I was stoned and I was 19. Oh yeah, it happens. <sighs> yeah. yeah. Freddy gets you when you're most vulnerable asleep. And that's pretty fucked. Yeah, and what I love about that is the little like trivia that when Wes Craven was, you know, shipping the script around, that was one of the things people like pump the brakes on. They're like, "This isn't scary, like being attacked in your sleep." And then, you know, of course, it turns out to like strike like such like the deepest nerve in people, and 
and Freddy crushes it. The concept mm-hmm. is there to be crushed, and uh, you know Robert Anglin, holy moly, just knocks it out of the park. He's he's part of the package yes, too as well. Like he is also part of why he's Freddy's part so of scary. What, yes, he is. Yeah. Um, Pat, would you mind if I gave a little bit of a seminar on the first episode of Freddy's Nightmares? Please do. Yeah, I'd love it. So before we get into our main topic today of Kruger first kills, I wanted me and Pat to revisit the first episode of Freddy's Nightmares, the pilot titled No More Mr. Nice Guy. Because in this pilot 1988 episode, we're seeing a Freddy Krueger origin story before he becomes a dream demon. We're seeing him on trial and we're seeing him sort of have his lead up to his death by mob. And it's very sort of similar to what I believe we were eventually going to see with Kruger first kills. So the first episode was released on October 8th, 1988, and it was directed by Toby Hooper of Texas Chainsaw Massacre fame, which is super bizarre and interesting. And this would lead on to become an anthology horror series hosted by Freddy Krueger. So as I mentioned, this episode is a prequel story. And it's the trial and death of Fred Krueger. He becomes acquitted when he's on trial because someone forgot to read him his rights. I'm not even sure how much of a thing that really is in real life. It seems to happen in movies a lot. I feel like we wouldn't get to the end of the trial and then they say like, oh, wait, (laughs) pump the brakes. I know. Who knows? It it seemed silly. But you know what? It drove the plot forward and I appreciate that. You you so you watched this recently, right? Yeah, I watched it two or three nights ago, and uh, I thought it was going to be a bit more of the trial. Truthfully, it's only not too you know just sort of that beginning where he's on trial, and then it really is sort of that mob mentality. I was kind of taken about how quickly they leave the courtroom and they're like, "Well, where did he go? Let's just go after him." And then there's obviously a huge um, thing about guilt that the father feels for not reading him his rights which obviously allows him to go free and he's going to come back and stalk his daughters again and stalk him uh so it's it sort of wrestles with his guilt a bit and then ultimately it is freddy just becoming freddy yeah something that i found scary is that in the courtroom we see what's going on from freddy's perspective and it's pretty fucked up like he hones right in on the young girls Everything is really, like, distorted and scary. And later on, we're sort of seeing him, from his perspective, stalking a family. And it was a little bit scarier than I remembered it being. I remember this being pure trash. And it had moments of of interesting stuff. Yeah, I found the second half to be, like, it really turned into a good little bit of freddie stalking the family and they kind of have the setup where you think he is going to go after the daughters and then he kind of turns it more on the the father cop who forgets to read him the miranda rights and i I remember thinking like wow this is neat in that we're finally watching freddie go after an adult and not just teenagers again um but it, it almost did seem a bit like comical at first uh but then it it, he did a great job keeping Freddy's face uh, distorted and out of view and or very, very up close on his, on his teeth. And I remember thinking, wow, like even just his yeah. teeth is very Freddy Krueger without the Freddy Krueger makeup. And then you're like, ooh, this, this is still Freddy. And I think that moment was when I was like, this guy's dangerous. And the movie, not the movie, sorry, the, the TV show... T- 
sort of turn for me and, and, and made me sit upright a bit more. They did a great job with. Do you uh, think that maybe they Freddy. didn't show? Do you think that maybe they didn't show his full face because they didn't do the full makeup? Yeah, I think. I also think this is like you know pre him being burned. You know, you, it, you sort of keep that mystique and. I mean, one of the big rules in horror is like, don't show your monster too early. And it was, it was, we know by 1988, you know what Freddy looks like. Uh, so to think like, this is the very first episode and this is Freddy before he gets like, uh, you know, burned alive by the town parents. Of course, we just want to see what he looks like, but they just, he t- Hooper keeps him that at bay. And I think it's both really smart and really intentional and does a good job keeping him scary. And in terms of not wanting to do the whole yeah. makeup, maybe because they don't they do the whole makeup one after they burn him like near the end? You see some of it? Yes, they do. Yeah. But it, I thought it was it, great. It's though. pretty crappy though. Yeah. It's not it, the it was movie a, it's budget. It's a fascinating episode. Very, yeah. It's the only episode of the TV series I've seen. I remember seeing commercials for it as a kid, um, but yeah, never. So I was thank you for hooking me up with watching the episode. It was great. It's funny. I totally forgot about it, and then when we landed on the topic of Freddy Krueger first kills, I thought, oh yeah, this kind of already exists, sort of. Yeah, I have to revisit it. First kills, not to like spoil what we're going to talk about later, but obviously feels like it would be much more of the courtroom scene, or much more of the courtroom scene set somewhere else, and uh, it's that's yes. maybe why I was a little surprised. But I do love the idea of the origin story as well. Like that's great. I mean, give me whatever the ultimate version was going to be from. Um, the one guy, or give me the the origin story. I'm here for both. Before we move on into Kruger first kills, do you have any other thoughts on this episode of Freddy's Nightmares? Um, I wondered if it was going to be him, like still haunting the whole town, and if they, we would see these characters again in future episodes. I'm curious about that. I thought it was nice. Like I said, I don't. I, I second, don't think no. So. Oh, okay. I mean, I like I took like a little list of notes as I'm reading them here. We're not like talking about super specific details. Um, yeah, no, it was it was fun. Makes me want to watch the rest of the series casually, and uh, yeah, you just curious to see how much of a budget they would pump in because clearly this didn't have the biggest budget, and that's fine. 1988. I'm also curious. Yeah. I'm so rambly, I apologize. But so in 1988, when the series was coming out, I'm curious where the movie series was. Because 84 was the first one. So it was one. 1988. I think this was the f- the fifth movie was 89. So this must have been the fourth movie. Yeah, I was going to say they went pretty quickly when these ones with Nightmare or pretty successively. Fourth movie, which I just fourth recently movie. watched. Yeah. The f- the fourth movie was 88. Hey, so the fourth movie was this year. Nice. Love that it's concurrent. Um, it actually, this the, fir- the fourth movie came out two months before the TV show. Oh, wow. Freddy Nation, mm-hmm. right? Right in the middle of it all. Yeah, right in the middle. Yeah. Kind of wish I could have experienced it. Yeah, I mean, I can't. So it's 88. That would have been, like I said, I was six. So that would have been 89 when my friends rented the first one and showed it to me. Yeah, this is... Freddy was in the air, though, for sure. 
that as a kid, like destined to be peaking, a horror kid. Honestly. Sorry? Yeah. I think he was peaking in 1988 because I think the fourth movie was probably the most successful of them all. And it was sort of downhill from there financially. I so could this see was that. right at the height of Freddy popularity. I could see yeah. that. It also kind of made me think of uh, Friday the 13th, six, because like at one point they, mm-hmm. they go and they bring Freddy back to life. Like they dig him up and, and get him going again. Yeah. Uh, like, and, yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh, this is very much like bringing Jason back. Um, hey, which kind of yeah. happened in the TV episode we watched too, right? They move, they go to like move the body and the body's not there and. It's like claw marks, and you're like, "Ooh, mm-hmm. yes." I was just rewatching. I was just rewatching Friday the Thirteenth Eight. Jason takes Manhattan, and I forgot that lightning kind of brings him back to life in that movie too. Oh, wicked! Nice. Well, it's it'll get you. Hey, it's he's Frankenstein, right? Yes, he is. From our earlier conversation, yeah. Um, Pat, would you mind if I gave a seminar on today's main topic, which is Kruger first kills? Yes, very excited. The whole main event for today was that we're going to talk about the unmade Nightmare on Elm Street origin story, Kruger First Kills, also known as A Nightmare on Elm Street First Kills. Um, rumored for a long time to be the serious courtroom drama, The Trial of Fred Kruger, A Nightmare on Elm Street First Kills is sort of a thing of legend in the horror community. Some sources believe that New Line was really interested in pursuing the style of Henry portrait of a serial killer, which is why they approached the filmmaker himself, John McNaughton. It seems to me, based on a couple of sources that we found, that John McNaughton and New Line Entertainment had different visions of what this courtroom drama was going to look like. My interpretation of things is that New Line, Cin- Cin- New Line Cinema wanted this to be a little bit more gritty and realistic, set in our world. And McNaughton, I believe, was more interested in setting the film in hell and making this more of a supernatural, existential type of horror crime drama. Uh, some of this was confirmed in a 2015 interview with uh, Patrick Cooper of Bloody Disgusting, He was talking to McNaughton, who revealed that his development on a Freddy Krueger origin uh, was actually put to rest because of a very surprising Adam Sandler project, which was revealed in the late 90s. So here is a quote from that interview from McNaughton. I started thinking about what we haven't seen before, and the idea came of, well, where, where did Freddy Krueger come from and when he returned to the first picture? Hell. Nothing could keep me from going to hell. And the idea of actually setting a story in hell, that to me, I was just like a pig in shit. New Line had made, what's his name, the comedian that gets so little respect and makes so much money. He's talking about Adam Sandler's little Nicky. And he goes on to say, yeah, it was one of his goofy comedies, little something or another. There was a number of scenes in hell, and it was his first comedy not to do well. So yeah, he's talking about Little Nicky, this late 90s Adam Sandler project that underperformed at the box office. McNaughton continues by saying, right, and after that, well, that didn't do well. New Line Cinema wanted, sorry, New Line didn't want to go back to hell. So I basically told them to go to hell. Just the idea of being under the thumb of the studio and being called on to satisfy genre expectations, 
It's not something that would make me happy. They were unwilling to go to hell with me, and it just came apart. So <laughs> kind of cool that this guy wow. um, allegedly is really standing up for his vision of things here, right? Eh? Yeah, he was just like, hardline, listen, if you're not doing it this way, I'm, it's not <laughs> happening with me, sorry. Which is damn, Which is so damn shame. For... It's a damn shame. You were telling me about another movie that this fella produced that I was very surprised to hear about earlier today. Oh, yeah. My quick little Google revealed he also did uh, Wild Things, which if you were a teen in the 90s uh, or even younger, you that was definitely on the radar for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it definitely Wild was. Things. Which is funny because this is not the most serious auteur ever, you know? He's made some pretty silly, weird movies. So it's kind of interesting that he was so... I don't know, dedicated to his vision here that he would tell New Line to fuck off. Yeah, and to just not have another thing to go do for a bit and then come back and, you know, have another ticket eventually down the line. But, I mean, if you don't... Yeah. If you see it one way and you don't get to do it, I'm sure you'd go to work every day being like, man, why aren't we doing it this way? And and truthfully, the visions yep. are pretty different. And what you said, or there was something you sent me where he said, you know, it would just be a little too similar to the tone of uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, which he had just recently done. And you can also understand not wanting to just sort of like go and do that again and, and you know, go through those yeah. motions. Cause, well, that's I mean, what they wanted want out to... of him. They just wanted him to do the same thing. They just wanted him to do the same thing over again. Yeah, that'd be a rough experience to do that twice in a row. I wouldn't want to be like, yeah, that's the camp I want to go back to for, for eight weeks or seven weeks or however long. Pat, have you ever seen Little Nick? Yes. What uh, was your impression of it? Um, <clears throat> yeah, not as funny as the rest of his movies. I was, you know, Adam Sandler, I grew up listening to his tapes and his albums and then Saturday Night Live. And then, yeah, all of his movies were bangers. And what that one, it rings true that that was sort of one of his first movies that didn't really hit the mark at least critically critically that sounds hilarious to say um yeah and i remember i rented it like after the fact years back i was like you should go back and watch this and i did and some scenes were funny but it wasn't it wasn't great and also too like comparing little nicky to what this guy would do taking freddie to hell that's still apples to oranges it that's just reeks of like big execs being like no just without even listening to what it really is. Uh-huh. Yeah. I agree. Sadly frustrating. But no, Little Nicky was okay. Well, we heard a little bit more about this project in an other interview with Bloody Disgusting, but this time with none other than Freddy Krueger himself, Robert England. Uh, he reportedly discussed with them sort of why he wanted this movie to be made. And so here's a quote from him. I always thought that not having a... I always thought that not having a prequel is a misruling in the mythology of A Nightmare on Elm Street. It got close to being rectified with Toby Hooper's pilot for the TV series, and there was a script that supposedly there was a script that was supposedly to be directed by John McNaughton, who did Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer. There was a prequel script. I think it was called Kruger the First Kills, and it was the last children being killed. The two detectives that found Freddy and busted him. And then the body of the film were the ambulance-chasing sleazy lawyers that get Freddy off. The lawyers are actually the best part of the script. There's two of them. 
Freddie in court, Freddie at the table, Freddie on the witness stand, Freddie in jail. But it's about the lawyers getting him off. They get him off and Freddie gloats too much on the courtroom stairs. The end of the movie is Freddie being burned alive. I've had a fascination with these projects ever since I did that pilot with Toby Hooper. Oof. It sounds kind of great, right? Yeah, I would love to go on both of these rides. The real world version, like what, especially like the hearing about how excited Robert Englund would, is getting about these lawyer characters, to pit them with Freddy Krueger. <laughs> like, that just sounds like watching like three people uh, you know, just watching something burn and then getting to this peak where they win and, you know, inspiring a mob. Like, that would be a great way to end a movie. That's That was exciting just listening to you read the synopsis there. <laughs> this guy is a very excitable dude. Like, he's always delivering at a 10 and he's so passionate about these movies. And I really appreciate that. It is great. Like, you love, if this is what you do, like, love what you do, you know? Um, Boris Karloff loved being Frankenstein famously and famously Bela Lugosi hated being yeah. Dracula. So like, good. You like <laughs> yeah. England's landing on the right side for sure. Enjoy the fact that you are pretty Kruger and we, coming with that. I'm sure oh, he spent yeah. many nights theorizing and thinking about Freddie and, and who he is and all that. So he'd, he'd be excited. I have a really disgusting question. That's always been on my mind and I've never asked anyone. And I'm, for some reason, I think I'm going to ask you, I love it. I'm so excited. Do you think Robert Englund like ever had to hook up dressed as Freddie because like some weird fan <sighs> was like into that? Yes, it's my first uh, knee jerk. I'm sure. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure he not only like sort some of girl milked like, it. Yeah, and like probably like you know on the right, you know, it's a numbers game to a degree, uh-huh. and I'm sure just like that one person was like, "Don't take that off." I was like, okay, let's do this, you know. I'm sure that happens to so many of these people. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, driving in a fast car. If you, in the middle of lovemaking, look up and it's Freddy Krueger. <laughs> I would you be know ter- that he would... <laughs> I'd be terrified. I think if he wasn't in the makeup, I would be interested. <laughs> I would not, not like, I, w- I don't know if it's like my, my fetish or anything, but I don't know if I would say no to that experience. And you know that he's committing to it, too. He's committing to the bit. Mm-hmm. He's going to sure. think of some real punny lines from time to time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, he are we... Invent- he came up with some of his own. Hey, there we go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, are we getting, like, Freddy Krueger mm-hmm. from A Nightmare on Elm Street 1? Are we getting Freddy Krueger from, like, A Nightmare on Elm Street 6? Yeah. Because, you know, they're pretty different. I'm seeing three. Okay. I like that. Three is a good one. Welcome to primetime, bitch. Yeah. Yeah. If he doesn't say that yeah. once... It's the horniest it's, Freddy. That's not love. <laughs> So I am starting to write a little bit for Pride.com, and the editor there is interested in doing some horror content. And watching, I don't know if it was the first episode of Freddy's Nightmares, or maybe I watched the second one today too, it just reminded me that Freddy has done drag so many times in this franchise, and I really want to do an article about like listing every time Freddy's ever dressed up as a woman. I love it. Yeah. Uh, Cause he does, he wears a lot of costumes and he's always ready to make a mockery of something. And you know, he knows the joke mm-hmm. will land more than people would he's laugh at him. Like for going to drag. He's always like a sec. I feel like he's been a couple of sexy nurses. I was so waiting for the wife so. to turn into Freddy Krueger in the first episode of, oh, of the show. I was like, man, the wife is saying some creepy lines that are like really unsettling. And it's, it, it's totally in line with, 
be thinking like the wife could turn into Freddy at any time because yeah, Freddy could be anyone. And does he not like Bugs Bunny? Yeah, yeah, very true. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it is Mm -hmm. kind of not timeless, but you know, it goes back to conclusions territory. Do you think we're ever going to see a Freddy Krueger origin film or series? Yeah, I think we definitely could see a Freddy Krueger origins film. I mean, the 2010 remake was so disappointing. And I don't think we're out of the woodworks in terms of remakes. I think that's just going to be a thing. And I do, there's part of me that thinks someone's going to pick up the ball with this series and say, listen, there's money to be made here. If we just put the right spin on this, we've got a Freddy movie. And once you get a Freddy movie, you can have a Freddy prequel for sure, because it's uh, it's fertile ground and it's ground that's been talked about. So mm-hmm. I say, yes, we definitely could see a Freddy prequel in the future. Just I'm just hoping I don't want to jinx it. Uh, I'm not superstitious, but I'm a little mm-hmm. stitious to quote Michael Scott. I just want a new good <laughs> nightmare remake. Too. <sighs> uh, I don't know if I want to see not magical Freddy, though. I don't know no. if I'm interested in seeing a Freddy grounded in reality. Yes. Freddy grounded reality would be interesting. It would be dark. I would love it if they're like, listen, we're going to hit you with like three Freddy movies. So don't worry. We've got your back with two other like traditional, magical, scary Dream Freddy. Um, but if they only mm-hmm. gave us one, I would love McNaughton. I would love to see yeah. him like yeah. the beginning of the movie. Freddy gets burnt up, goes to hell, and Satan is like, listen, let's figure out what your fate is. And like, it's like this twisted, dream, bizarre terrifying courtroom thing where freddy goes through this like torturous adventure because it's hell you can do anything you want you could pull him into some crazy situation pull him back into the courtroom pull him into some crazy situation and then at the end you know it could be very much like a christmas carol like here are your fates and this is what you've done yeah and it's a nightmare it's a literal nightmare and at the end drop him off at the beginning of the first nightmare on elm street i think that would be the best one that's a great that's a great idea but that almost sounds more like a series to me Oh, yeah. See, this day and age, that's the right question you have to ask yourself. Can you cram all this into 90 to maybe 105 minutes? Or do you like bank it out in six to eight episodes? It's a fair question. Because the Chucky series has done quite well. Yes. And it just got renewed for a third season. Uh, unfortunately, I have not watched any of it, so I would love to hop on this because I hear it's so good. But that's that's exciting. I, I love hearing things getting it's renewed, great. things that people like getting renewed. Man, remember Scream Queens? Where's it, it that was, third season? Oh, oh my god. I'm interested. I heard a rumor at one point that Spectre Vision, aka Elijah Wood and company who produced Color Out of Space and Mandy, had a pitch for a new Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Oh, like that was officially sort of presented to the the rights owners. Elijah was very cool. Mandy was very cool, and even Color Out of Space was pretty cool. I'm not familiar with either, unfortunately. Although I've heard of Mandy, knowing that Elijah Wood's like a bit of a nerd and stuff, and into cool stuff, like I would, I'd be like, okay, thumbs up. What do you think is ultimately going to be the next move for the franchise? I think they'll do a re remake. They'll do this is it again, because uh, and just try to forget about twenty. 10 the hot mess that was i was because i actually for some reason thought that there was something in the works currently but i did a super quick google today and did nothing nothing hit uh but you know i'm approaching 40 so my super quick googles aren't super effective sometimes and you know what else would be great too because the remake of friday the 13th was so good 
Like, let's keep those things going. Like these. Okay, right now I might be dating myself as well, but like, like we can still constantly milk Dracula, Wolfman, Frankenstein, the Mummy. I think there's a whole other group, and we've talked about, you know, like from Leatherface to leading the way, the two people, you know, obviously Jason and Freddy, uh, Michael Myers, Pinhead, Chucky, like Ghostface. There's, you know, there's room for these people to like come and and be in the public consciousness and be part of the boogeymen that get revisited. And uh, I don't Mm -hmm. know, obviously the the horse gets beaten too much. Give it a break. But uh, I don't know. Nightmare. Mm -hmm. Come on. (laughs) I would love another kick at the can. Me too. Yeah. Patrick, where can you be found? Where can you be found on the internet if you so wish to be found? Um, So I have a tiny Twitter presence where I tweet about some just random stuff. Mostly it's a lot of retweets about boxing or, or magic, the gathering or, news stuff but i'm on twitter at patrick gavin od and some I'm, i can't remember my instagram following but if you if i do if you find me on twitter you can find me on instagram and i post cute pictures of my beautiful daughters there uh as well but yeah you can find me there stay healthy and stay out of the hospital don't find me there yeah that? that's not where he wants to see you guys no Thank you so much for listening to Development Hell. If you enjoy this podcast, then please do us a major favor of leaving us five stars and writing a positive review. It really makes all the difference in the world. We'll see you next week with a brand new episode of Development Hell. Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network.